Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laughing, yelling one of those. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 152 and the guest for this episode is south african mc yugen blackrock who released her sophomore album anima mysterium Earlier this year that featured Cool Keith, Brave Star, Historian himself, Fifi the Rye Monster, and with 
production from Kenneth the Jotmaster for the entire album, their chemistry is unparalleled with a sound that takes a nod to the old school trip hop sound. During our chat in which Kenneth was also present, we talked about her musical influences, her visuals, the shadow universes she's creating, the South African music scenes, their artistic freedoms, the South African society and culture, how their upbringing influenced their art, the truth of South African history, the spirituality of the South African people, and social hierarchies. Before we get into this interview with Yugen, I definitely want to remind you how you can support the podcast. I do have a Patreon page set up at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. And for as little as a dollar, you can support everything that I do. And for the $3 a month amount, you will have access to the Patreon-only podcast, which will include interviews from my vast archive of interviews outside of the podcast. Mostly, it's pretty much all music from the past 10 years. I've got a couple already up. Danny Brown from 2008, Cool Keith from 2010, and I have a slew of other great interviews to follow. So go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word and you can sign up. There's a bunch of different tiers available. Some you can be a part of the show. All right, let's get on to the interview with Yugen Blackrock and Kniff. Came about you and your music um, a few months ago uh, when I got a press release from your uh, publicist. And I was like, when I started listening to it, I was like, I love this. This is great. Uh, <laughs> this this like really reminds me of uh, a lot of the, the hip hop I grew up on. But then it also uh, mixes a lot of um, sort of that down tempo like um trip hop also that i uh i really liked back in the day too and uh, sort of uh you know what what has always been your influence musically uh throughout the years when you were younger first starting to uh make music even up till today um there's been quite a range i think um growing up from like local sounds in South Africa to like you've mentioned, like the trip hop was also pretty much influential in terms of making music, the kind of music that I like to hear. So this is what influenced me. I think the most, the, the stuff that comes out. And if I can say also, uh, Kanif also kind of shares similar tastes, I think in music with, with growing up, hip hop was also very prominent I yeah, well, I mean, upbringing. I think I, I liked a lot of the dark, dark, you know, the Wu Tang and um, uh, Grave Diggers and, and and Beastie Boys, a bit of the rock influence, Public Enemy, and that's the kind of sound. And when I heard trip hop, you know, how they kind of slowed down the frequency and stuff, obviously that, that you know, appealed to me yeah, yeah. quite a bit. And um, in terms of the rhyming too, because, you know, the beats are slower, there's there's more space to rhyme on it. And that whole style, I think, was an influence. <clears throat> I think another influence, though, would be uh, West African, you know, Malian music, Adifakatori, and yeah, I think that influences our sound quite a bit, just in in, in its blues, bluesy in its, you know. Yeah, sure. for sure. Like really, the dark rhythms is what we sort of gravitate to in these different genres that you'll find. Yeah, that's what that's what I really love about the about your music is like the dark rhythms. And also what I notice is that 
in the the videos that you put out uh, for uh, um, the selected songs that you did, um, the sort of the the vi- the the visuals kind of match that that those dark rhythms. You know, what did you want to do with your music videos to sort of enhance the songs? Well, ideally, the 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 idea is to have to build a shadow world. You know, talk about the anima mysterium and all the concepts that I discuss in there to the sounds that I use from Kanif's section, you know. And also visually, we needed something to to accompany that, something like a listening aid, you know, to kind of expand. um, The universe. Yeah, the universe that we're occupying and the universe that we're trying to share with everyone. So they, they had to be fitting to that aesthetic explore that dimension i mean we see everyday things and we kind of didn't want to go that route where you're sort of spin uh, spoon feeding people you know so it, it's more to leave these certain symbols or archetypal kind of puzzles for people to solve for the right people to solve if anything right yeah i mean i think we wanted to leave space for the for the audience to interpret to, some stuff and we also wanted to have, have a bit more fun than with the first album, just presenting an audio, the, you know? the, the world and the universe that that the music you know is 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 from. Yeah, the idea of like creating universes—that's something that you see in all sorts of different art forms, whether it is music or even comic books or even fine art or whatever. Like, uh, what are you, you know, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to create when you are creating these these shadow universes? You know, what do you hope, like, your listeners and even for the videos, the people who are watching the videos, hope they get out of, you know, this shadow universe? Well, I think, f- firstly, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real tangible part of, of life. You know, I think we come from, in, in South Africa, the... The unseen and the and the seen are, are, are slightly more side by side than than in in more Western cultures and you know it's to present it's to present you know it's it's old and it's new it's it's some of some of the the, the information <clears throat> visually and, and and musically is is old information that that kind of sits in the future somehow. So you know, a lot of people are are saying it's Afrofuturistic kind of visual, and I think for us it's just it's it's the universe that we that we inhabit naturally. It's it's yeah, it's not so much universes we create, but just exposing what's there, like the layers that are there, the hidden worlds. What what do you um okay? You're from uh, South Africa. No one, uh, you know, this is South Africa is a place where maybe not too many people really know, understand what goes on there. You know, what is the the music scene like there? It's quite mixed, and um, I mean, you have a a pretty big gap between what is considered mainstream and the alternative scene. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of African, you know, art in general can be quite spiritual. In a way, there's there's a lot of history and and uh, ancient teachings and knowledge that hide behind the artworks. With South Africa, it's not that different. 
we do have different sources that we all draw from in terms of inspiration and you know that manifests in all the different genres whether it's jazz or guaido or the new hip-hop or r&b and all of that sort i do think that it's quite lively in terms of the the independent scene they're free thinkers really uh going against the grain type of folks because the system doesn't really work for independent artists you know so it kind of forces a more diy type of approach um a, a more gutsy approach because the thought that you're going to be the next big thing is not as tangible it's it's quite far so i do think that the art tends to push the boundaries because that kind of mainstream success seems so so far you know so out of reach so i do find like a, a lot of gutsy raw whether you're looking at the rock scene or even the the hip hop scene itself it, it's quite uh, it's quite grimy it's very nice right that's that's what i get out of your music you know that griminess that 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 diy sort of aesthetic that you know that freedom to be able to do what you want to do you know how does mm -hmm. it feel to going into making art knowing that hey, mainstream success probably isn't going to happen. So I'm mm -hmm. just going to do my art the way I want to do it. You know, what sort of freedom yeah. does that bring to you artistically? Oh, it's, it's great artistically. I mean, financially, it's not maybe where right. you want to be. But like, um, if, I mean, if that's the one thing that empowers me that I make art, that's the most important thing then, you know. So to, to make it to the best of my ability. And once you do get some kind of recognition or attention for it, it it does push you a bit further. It does give you that extra jolt to, to search in places where you normally wouldn't, you know, to set up your own platform and things. But um, it, it's great, man. It's empowering in some ways. It can be very exhausting to to have to, to be responsible for every single thing that you do, you know? Right. It's, it's pros and cons, but I think... Um, it teaches you a whole lot more than the alternative, with it, which is to just look for a major to take care of my everything and do it. And, and all I have to do is just pitch up on the stage, you know. In that regard, I don't, I don't feel like the art grows. The, the the thing about coming from South Africa, also, I have enough angst, man, for like a good three more decades. You know, the the <laughs> the conditions do make for really good art, but sometimes it's like the, at the expense of one's spirit, you know? Mm, the conditions can be quite hard. It's much tougher, I think, than out here in Europe, for example, for an independent artist to be self-sufficient, not necessarily like super successful, but just self-sufficient to be able to sustain oneself. So, I don't know, I feel like it gives us an edge out here coming from South Africa, you know, we're, we're much more hungry than our counterparts, you know, a, a lot of stuff that we encounter here look like luxuries to us compared to what we have to fight for to get at home. So there, there is that, like, there's different ways you can look at it. Uh, we just prefer to look at the more proactive one, which is, we, we're pretty much geared up for Europe, I think. It's, it's I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely inspiring Every musician wants, you know, the most people mm, listening to their to stuff, their music. observing. <laughs> so, you know, to have a to have a wider audience somehow gives us a bigger platform to play to play on, and 
you know, with the visuals and the videos and... and um, and like-minded people or even people that will challenge our own way of thinking is great for the next project or the next, you know? Yeah. And definitely, and definitely the, la the last kind of three, four years of, of touring, of touring Europe and, and making the, the Anima Mysterium, um, we were, you know, affected by, by being out in Europe and, and seeing some of the, our heroes perform and you know, it it because <clears throat> South Africa is kind of a bit far and isolated, and you, can, I think it's also nice because you kind of get lost in your own creative mm. world, and you can really do your own thing. But you're also excluded from a lot of things that are happening culturally. Whether we're talking about the global hip hop scene, for example, you know, right. you don't get many opportunities to watch like uh, super established artists coming through. Maybe it will be like post golden era hip-hop artists that will make it down there eventually when they're 50 or something. <laughs> right. Which but, is great, but, you know, for, when, for, for us that grew up listening to that stuff. A couple of years back, we saw Pete Rock and CL Smooth. We, um, we opened for them in Copenhagen. And, uh, yeah. you know, like in a basement type setup. With just this, and it, for me, it was one of the first hip-hop shows I'd ever been to, but, you know, despite having seen quite a few acts. Just the feeling of it and the, and the intimacy of it and... So those kind of moments have definitely inspired us and, and, and shape our stuff, continue to shape how we how we do our art. I think. Yeah, you mentioned about the sort of obstacles you have to uh, deal with in South Africa, the conditions. How do you sort of deal with all of that and still sort of, you know, keep your sanity, keep your mental health in check, you know, keep your, you know, your spirit up? You know, how do you kind of deal with all that? Mm, it's all trial and error. Most of the time, I'm not sure if my mental health is intact, <laughs> really. You know, I'm kind of go around, you know, fixing what I can. But, I mean, it does take its toll on you. You, you notice it in, in the people that are around you. If you're lucky enough to have a support system that will say, hey, maybe, girl, you need to check yourself a little bit over here. You know, it does get a bit overwhelming, but... Nothing comes easy, man. I think the the teachings that drew us to hip hop in the first place, we're still looking at. You know what I mean? Um, all the, the the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the '90s, the, the stuff that really got us into the art form, is what we continue to push. You know, outside of our music as well. You know, I think we have breathing, having you know time, and just keeping perspective. Having having been in the in the in the industry for you know almost close to two decades, some of us at at, at Iapetus, we've also created a bit of a uh, you know a safe haven for our, our creative spirits, and mm. you know so we've got a studio there in, in in central Joburg, and we we tend to isolate ourselves a little bit and just work on our music and work on our. our videos and all kinds of weird stuff and stop motions and and just stay making art you know because it's it's easy to get caught up in this external stuff you do need that that space in the that world the world space. is in a, in, a, in a bit of a strange place and you know in, until it goes south or you know we, we're just gonna carry on making art and, and, and trying to contribute positive positive vibes even though you say that um down in South Africa, there's a big gap between sort of the mainstream and the underground. Does it ever happen when the mainstream 
sort of appropriates the underground's art and sort of the <laughs> the underground kind of gets left in the dust in regards to that? Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Like um, five, 50, 10, 15 years ago even, you know, the, the concept of rapping about space and intergalactic stuff and chakras and all of that in South Africa was kind of, oh, you guys are you know, high art and super conceptual. This is not real. But because Hollywood has been stuffing it down our throats for the last 10 years as well, <laughs> it's, it's made it very mainstream. You know what I mean? Like you'll see Katy Perry talking about E.T., you know, hanging outside this shuttle, trying to kiss this alien and stuff. It's, it's, it's pop culture. It's like mainstream, you know? Right. So, I mean... There, 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 there is that. The mainstream is also famous for that, you know, just picking what it likes from the alternative or underground scene and just blowing that up, and then it's a fad for a while and moves on. That's just a cycle. I see. I see know? the danger being in, 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 especially in the history books. You know how they, what they're writing and who they're writing about, and when they to rewrite history. When, when they exclude <clears throat> certain people. The younger, the younger generation musicians, especially when they come up, they don't have, you know, they don't go back and have access to the, to the right artists, and therefore mm. some of their foundations are lacking, and you know, so yeah, it's uh, it's constant, it's constant, man. I mean, you know, the, the mainstream is always getting its inspiration from the underground scene, and it's been like that, I guess. Yeah. From from more of a outside of the music scene, from more of a societal or even political side of everything describe how it was like growing up in south africa and how did that how did that ultimately influence your art mm-hmm. do you want to talk about um okay well uh for me i think you know south africa has has an aesthetic it has a feel and a taste and a, and a color and a sound and um, a rhythm, and it also has, as Yugen was saying earlier, it has a rich oral history tr- tradition of, of oral history, and within the storytelling, and within the music, and within, you know, the the, the mythology. <clears throat> and I find that the art is kind of really inspired by by those tales of of continuing the story of. The creation myth, you know, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, that that was pretty much South Africa for me. Like growing up with stories all the time. We we still had, you know, growing up on a farm with cousins and aunts and bedtime was African stories and and things like this, you know. Um, outside of what we we're learning in school, and what we we're learning in school was pretty much a very Eurocentric history of South Africa where the the natives are painted as just these barbaric folks that attacked these kind white people for nothing, you know? So there was that growing up, you know, a lot of weird propaganda. And so what you'd see in the streets just wouldn't reflect to what you know at home. You know, there's a sense of dignity at home. There's a sense of security and space. But outside in the streets, if there's any kind of confrontation, if it's racial, it's it's very jarring for any kid 
you know, to be shouted at across the street or to have stones thrown at you and, you know, stuff that is happening to friends, happening to us in, in all these places. It, it, it did kind of create a, there's something strange kind of feeling, you know. So getting into hip hop was kind of a way to confront that because there were similarities in what these folks were talking about. And even though I was maybe too young to completely grasp what Capadonna and Reza and all of these cats were talking about, you know, there, there was a, a, an urgency and a, a sense of uh, like a oppressed rage that I, I felt close to or that I had an affinity for. I and that was just hip hop in general at that time. I think the reason that 90s hip hop <coughs> found such a strong audience in South Africa was definitely, mm. definitely the militancy of the sound. Yeah, for real. And that's why that that kind of sound, you know, when you had crews like POC out of Cape Town that were that were fairly militant and black noise and and quite <clears throat> conscious crews, mm-hmm. and uh, it definitely resonated at, there, and it it rooted a sound that you could still find in in you know in our music now. Yeah, hundred percent. Outside of South Africa, usually what people know about South Africa is that sort of Eurocentric view of it, or they know, they hear, they know of apartheid, stuff like that, you know, but you, yeah. uh, you know, mentioned history a lot, even in this interview that it influences you from your perspective, what is the true look of South Africa? You know, what is the true uh, history of South Africa? You know, what would, what are the things that stick out to you? You know, what 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 is the myths that people have of South Africa? Wow, uh, it's it's a lot actually. I mean, also it can come across as very opposing views. Like um, maybe some folks are pretty much sold on the the Rainbow Nation, uh, what is it, rhetoric or the, the, that story or that narrative that everybody's super happy and united and not racist, you know? Th- that was the promise um, that we sort of got when we had the first democratic elections. And that was like 20-something 20, 20 years ago, in 1994, you know? So that's that's kind of like an ideal, but it's not it's not really there. Um, it's, it's racially tense, you know, in an, in an odd kind of way, because... uh, Apartheid was like a psychological, social experiment. And although it was formally gotten rid of in 1994, you can still see the effects of it 20 years later from the generation that was directly affected to the generation after that, who didn't have to experience it physically, but could, you know, the unseen effects were still suffering under the unseen effects. That's us, you know. And the generation that comes after us that are kind of, uh, you know, we, we're not aware of this race thing. So it's really quite um, layered and it's, it's layered, man. It's, yeah. it's complex. And uh, In terms of some of the mythology and the history you're referring to, I would say it's, it's found, it's just found in, in South African culture. Um, for example, Credo Mutuaya was, uh, and there, there are various various teachers and and historians who custodians of of oral histories and stories of of different different people. 
and when they journey into South Africa sometimes and and often you know it's it's, it's quite sci-fi the, the 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 information and it's um <clears throat> it's ancient alternatives to some of the famous creation myths um so but but that information is as because as you said <clears throat> there's been this apartheid oppression the information kind of went underground mm. And, and became a bit more secretive and a bit more, you had to search and dig for it. But as I said earlier, you know, the, the seen and the unseen are quite connected in, amongst Southern African pe people in general. And by that, I mean <clears throat> consulting your ancestors and, and you know, <clears throat> just your ancestors' hand in your in your day-to-day -day life is quite important and respected and... and so you know, it's a, it's a cross. It's a cross of the seen and the unseen, and these deep political, uh, you, you know, f fights and 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 a, and, a, and a deeply spiritual people. Mm. There's a thing called in South Africa called uh, Ubuntu, which is, you know, almost like Taoism, which is it's kind of an unspoken, undefined energy. But which is one of giving, which I, what I have, and you know unity, and so I think it's 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 very magical and it's very political and tense and it's very beautiful, and yeah, and that's why it's it's great place to make music and <laughs> write these stories out, you know. How would you describe the spiritualism of the people of South Africa, and how does that compare to the sort of you know, religion, like religious factions of South Africa. Mm -hmm. Spirituality in term, and, and religion. I mean, in terms of religion, there's, there's Christianity and, you know, there's Islam, there's Judaism. South Africa is pretty mixed in terms of its people amongst all the different tribes with their own different beliefs. There's also been a welcoming of like a Chinese community and Indian community and other uh, African communities, whether it's uh, Uganda or Congo, Zimbabwe, Angola. So it's really, really pretty mixed in itself. So that's, that's what also makes it special. It isn't just like, a, you know, like a typical one language speaking, one, one faith sharing people. It's, it's many different faiths. And, you know, with the constitution and all of this, allowing people to kind of stay together in the same spot and the idea that everyone is free to practice whatever religion or spiritual belief that they want, it's, it's all well and good on paper. But also in, in practice, there is a tolerance, I feel, that you wouldn't really see anywhere else. Like our Muslim community is pretty strong and respected and, you know, living side by side to Christian, Jewish, to to different African traditional beliefs as well. So that I do find to be uniquely South African also. Um, you can attribute it to a whole lot of horrible things that have happened and maybe people just want to do better. But I think it's just the people are special like this. So there's a big tolerance. So there are many different faiths. South Africans have got a, a really great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's I helped them through some really difficult times and it's it's given them a very almost Zen-like tolerance to 
because of, of Ubuntu. Um, literally, I am because you are, you know, if, if that was very short. And I am because you are, the recognition of the other is very important. So among South African natives, that idea is, is humanity itself. You know, I, I, I can't live across from you and be living in opulence and you're starving to death. You know, that is very un-African. And so with, you know, capitalism and all of this other stuff, and it's kind of distorted that kind of harmony in there. You know, everyone is rushing to make it. Everything is expensive. Everyone is moving to the cities and all of this stuff. And it is disrupting an already fragile psychology, you know. So, I mean, religion itself right now, I think, is under fire. Folks are kind of rediscovering themselves from an African point of view, not from a Eurocentric one where, you know, Christianity was the be-all and end-all. Now I think folks are kind of questioning their own lineage, their own histories, their, their own ancestors and what the belief system was. And not only that, but to revere it as much as they revered all these other religions that have passed through. Yeah, and definitely um, more and more, I think, a rejection of of the, Western. you know, what what is seen as the the, the missionary yeah. brought religions and and, uh, and a return to yeah, to, to, res- to way, and a respect to a, of, of of the traditional ways. Yeah. What what sort of obstacles do you see? What sort of like challenges do you see? that people are having when they're reassessing who they are to reassessing their, you know, place in Africa in that way that they have in comparison to sort of like the status quo of whether it's the government or society, what sort of challenges do you see happening? Um, like, uh, off the top of my head, I mean, uh, an African Renaissance would mean like, um, Reevaluating, let's say, like beauty standards, something very, very personal, and also something that's pretty much a billion-dollar industry as well. You know, an industry made to, for, for people to feel a certain way about their physical selves. You know, the idea of of what it is to be considered desirable. I mean, for women, for example, or the 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 concept of what a man is within a cultural, you know, stance as well as being a person at work. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to work and the upper management is all white, and everyone else that you're working with, or you know, shit, that's 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 been divided according to class and color. These are the conditions under which people are trying to discover themselves. So even if you can say, oh, we have this beautiful history behind us, the present moment is kind of showing you that there's still that inequality at work. You know what I'm saying? So you can change your mind about how you feel and all of this, but you're still waking up in the morning and you're going to work for these corporates. So the, the, the other things are maybe, you know, entrepreneurship, and the encouragement of that and black business and pro-black thinking that is not anti-white, you know, Um, things that communities need to fix, you know what I'm saying? And at the the moment, the the black community at large and, and also in general, I'm just grouping black people together, is kind of in that space where they're fixing and looking at themselves. And in South Africa, we kind of need the white community to do that as well, to reflect 
and evaluate their treatment of others and how they view themselves as well before good communication can happen. Because even right now, when, when I say things are racially tense, it's like observing a situation, but still feeling somehow tied up when it's time to speak up, you know, because you're talking to people that are so defensive that it's, 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 it's not easy to have these conversations or, get, or to get the point across. You know, I think on a on an individual level, you know, South Africa feels highly advanced racially. You know, I find them to be some of the of the least racially conscious, but that's on a one to one level amongst some art, artists and musicians and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I think the dialogue between general, you know, populace is one that needs to happen. You know, for mm-hmm. example, you know, something that would lead, I think, to a lot, a lot, a lot more economic freedom and and that thus equality um, would is the land situation and and how the West the Western media has kind of betrayed it and how the 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 right wing Afrikaans mm. organizations are trying to to, to, to portray. portray it as like this land grab mm. which is not really the case you know and and I mean they are terrible loss of life amongst the farmers and but it's it's not actually higher a higher rate than amongst any other the population. people that they're killing so you know that those those dialogues really need to happen and yeah. and i think that that with it you know a lot of youth that i that we that i know that i just Important. talk with you know they want land and it's not always just to start a farm it could be to build a studio or to build um to make you know a, a film set or to be to or to just live, to be able to do their culture, to have their cultural practices in peace. You can't be doing your cultural practices while you're renting your spot from some. It's not your right. land. There is a deep connection between Africans and the land that they live on. It's completely ridiculous to feel homeless in your own home country mm. forever. You know, just generations deep, you cannot have this. It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I think so those are, you know, definitely some of the things that will, because, you know, apartheid is, is, is young. It's, uh, we're still it's studying the effects of it. It's, we, we're not, you know, saying, okay, it's done with, and that was in the past. You know, we have, yeah. we have the first generation and second generation and third generation on both sides of, mm. of, of people who have to deal with those, you know, those psychological Check oppressions out. and complicated it's complicated and it's um yeah in south africa is there a sort of a hierarchy in regards to the populace whether it's by race class gender whatever you know and what is that yeah there is i mean it's 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 following the the worldwide trend so you know it definitely it's all, all the above mentioned you know it's all it's you know we're all being divided really by class uh, I think maybe it handled the the racial divisions with mm-hmm. the white people at the top, yeah. the Indians, the, the Chinese, colored, and then the blacks. You know, th- there was that, and it did play psychologically on everybody. So the, some of those attitudes are still there. Um, we've moved past a lot of them. You know, we can talk about it. I think that's why Kanif means that racially advanced. There are certain conversations that you can have without starting a riot, 
But then at the same time, there's certain conversations that we need to have that we're stuck on, that we need to get passed on for progress. So there are those hierarchies. It's now more a class division than a money division, where it was just like before, it was white people had the cash and black people didn't. Now there's a black elite. It's still still highly imbalanced. Yeah, it's still very unbalanced. The, The wealth gap is pretty big. Still, you know, again, amongst amongst populists. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier how the black population in South Africa is finding ways to sort of fix their issues in their history. And while doing that, it, re- it really need, like it really needs to be to a point where also white the white populace needs to start fixing their issues also. And that kind of mm-hmm. goes into that issue of, you know, what's a good ally to these sort of progressed factions of the, of the, of the community, you know, what, in your perspective, what makes a good ally towards sort of an oppressed um, faction of people? Well, again, you know, I, I, there's the, the, Credo Mutua, who's the, the Zulu custodian of the Zulu's people's history and 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 story, uh, he got into a bit of trouble for you know supposedly revealing a bit too much information about that was you know more that was more secretive and that you had to go through some kind of uh, initiations to before you received. And he said that his reason was that the more we know about each other. Mm. the more we'll be forgiving and realize that we're not that different in, in, in our fundamental desires, you know, and, and I tend to lean that way. And um, I've seen it, I've seen it in, 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 in music and, and in subcultures, hip hop and skateboarding and graffiti and, you know, a lot of subcultures where the, where the kids are mixed up and, you know, we came up, we grew up like that where, you know, being white was, it was more something that you'd get dissed about in a rap battle, but it wasn't really yeah. that 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 much in your face, you know. And it's because we knew each other, we knew that how how similar we were. So yeah, I have to agree. With self-knowledge, you know, the more we know about ourselves and about each other, the the better we're that the best allies for an oppressed people is each other, you know, because the, the the war on us has been to separate us. You know, so all that effort was made just to separate us. You know what I mean? The the first thing, therefore, I think to try and repair anything is to repair the the, the broken connections with each other. You know, so it really has to go back to individuals checking themselves, how they speak and what they let into their space. You know, if anything, like social media will, will show you what bad communication is amongst amongst each other. And also, like, you know, as Kenneth has highlighted, in like these different genres, whether you're looking at hip-hop DJs kind of looking out for each other and playing together in a, in a healthy and in a healthy com- competitive scene that is not malicious because, you know, competition is part of hip-hop, but yeah. not, not, not in that weird beef kind of super macho way that's that's pushed you know but in a more natural more human way where we can kind of see each other i feel as though also that the gap between the artists that we look at or even further like celebrity culture 
you know, there's this big gap between that and the consumer, and it's it's almost forced. You know, it creates so much more conflict than to to see the person as they are. You know what I mean? Right, right. And being doing something well does not excuse you being an asshole, and you know that's a fact. Everybody knows that in whatever. Exactly, field. exactly. When it comes to certain things, or because these certain people are influential, we're so quick to want to give our power. You know, oh, this person's influencing my children this way, but where am I as a parent? You, you know, these kind of thoughts need to be taken all the way, all the way through. So it's just things like that, man. Really, the, the connections between each other is what matters the most. We can't move as a unit if no one is listening to the, to anything. It, it really, there's, there's no conversation to be had. And I think the artists that are, that we encounter and that, you know, the, the artists back home that we encounter are here, um, they, most of them, I, I feel, are pushing that that agenda you know it's 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 quite unified in 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 its vision mm-hmm. and that that's part of what i find really progressive about south africa's uh non-racialist yeah progression you know something special did come out of all that mess that that mess you know there was no there was no revolution there was no blood led into the ground and but something else did happen that once we kind of we can heal and once we can start knowing ourselves and and and, and having the conversations you know there's something really special there i think that's part of the beauty of the place you know you've mentioned a few times about you know specific discussions that need to be had and sometimes it could cause an uproar what are those discussions from a societal standpoint that need to continue to happen um, to make progress in South Africa? Mm. We need integration, man. Um, the us versus them debate has dragged on for so long and it's just proved itself to have no end. If you want to start an us versus them debate, it will never end. This is a fact. So even that is kind of tired. Like we, we really do need to, it's little things, man, Kelly, like um, if, you know, on, on a racial on a racial matter, like uh, expression or wearing your hair natural in schools shouldn't be a problem. But you find in South Africa, there's certain schools that will maybe uh, outlaw, you know, black girls from rocking afros. You know what I mean? You have to chemically treat your hair through relaxers and all of this shit in some dodgy, not really straight kind of want to be white kind of doesn't really work. It's not great for anyone's self-esteem. And this isn't something that's normal or okay in Africa, you know, but it also creates psychological things that have to be dealt with in the future. So when you do start a conversation with someone else about appearance or about hair or about this and they, they just telling you you're just pulling out the race card or you're just imagining it or they're refusing to see where you're coming from this is what the issue is you know it's a standpoint of oh well we're not responsible for these horrible situations this is maybe our predecessors 40 50 years ago that started this and we're not responsible and the black perspective is yes we, we understand that 
but can you just see that you're benefiting from a system that was put in place to make you be in this position today and for me to be in this unpleasant situation today? If, if both parties can say, yeah, yeah, I see that, it creates more conflict because you're deliberately not seeing the other human being. You are deliberately being un-African in Africa. You know what I'm saying? Then if you don't want to be there, don't be there. It's about respect. It's about culture. It's about seeing the other human being. You know what I mean? I wouldn't come to Spain and do some super disrespectful stuff to Spanish people. You know what I'm saying? I've been taught better than that. That's the African way is to see the other human being. So things like this. So when I say the white community needs to check themselves, they need to remember that they're in Africa as much as they're, I'm, I'm part Dutch or, or, you know, that that kind of thing. I hate to get into it because it, it starts getting a bit, yeah, personal, but, you know, I prefer to just generalize, but I'm just making an example. You know what I mean? Right. Like um, being, being hard of hearing or just being um, in denial in general. This is like the general thing that frustrates South Africans. You know, the, the, the inability or the refusal to just hear the other person out just because maybe the experiences are not the same. Right, right. I always like to ask this question when I uh, interview people. From, you know, from your perspective, what is sort of a nugget of knowledge, you know, a lesson that you could take from your life or career that anybody listening to this, no matter what sort of avenue of artistry or background they come from, could learn from and project into their own life? Well, I think, you know, definitely one thing that served as well is just staying true to you know, I think all, all musicians start out in a garage with your friends and, and banging around on some instruments and and that fun that fun element of making music and and you know what appeals to you and what what in, what songs and songwriting you wanna you songs you wanna write, you know, just keep writing them. Don't think, okay, well, writing about this is working really well for, for so and so, so let me write about something that I'm not, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think we always just try and take a magnifying glass to to what we are and, and, and stay true and make and make hip-hop that sounds fat to us when we, we're in the studio with our peoples and, you know, and if you keep building your tribe, if you keep building the amount of people that, that resonate to that frequency, it, 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 it great, you know, it gets bigger and stronger and, at some point, it, pull, it pulls in enough people that, you know, people have to recognize it. Yeah, for sure. I think definitely staying true to yourself is one. And and also, like, be centered. You know, there, there's a, a, a lot happening at any given moment. You know, it's easy to fall into these ruts or into these traps. If you're in a creative space or, or running your own ship, or these kinds of things is, is to find that center if you find yourself completely off your feet, you know, to take time to discover what center means for you. Because a lot of things are made out here to just shift us, you know, into needing them. You know, it's, it's uh, for me, it's like the world of advertising and marketing and this. 
all these products are just created for needs, you know, just make sure you can handle your own needs and not just be pulled any which way direction. I, th- I think for any field that might be relevant. Great, great. Before, uh, yeah, before we uh, end this interview, I definitely want to know, uh, know something. Uh, th- this is something I was thinking about during the whole interview. When it comes to South African music, who, you know, who are the, the, the artists from either the past or the present, whether it's hip hop or rock or soul music or whatever, who you deem like classic artists important to the culture? Like who are some South African art, music artists that people should uh, go online and maybe look up and listen to that would have a, a very distinct voice for that region? Yo, Tandi Swamazwai, definitely. Uh, Tandi Swamazwai is epic, you know, from the, the ages that she was and still is active in and for her vision as much as her voice, you know, uh, from 90s, 2000s up until now. She's she's special. She's really, really dope. Obviously, uh, Huma Sakela. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a young artist from, from the Sutu. Morena Leraba, really doing some interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pops Mohammed, uh, he plays more kind of traditional Southern African instruments. He's, he's a, a genius, really. Yeah, um, Carlo Mombelli, who's a bassist, um, and plays also like street signs and all kinds of weird stuff. It's really <laughs> progressive, really, really nice. Um, the brother moves on, BCUC, which a young dude yeah. is coming up and just right now, mixing yeah. a bunch of rhythms and sounds. And brother moves on. Yeah. Yeah, those those folks, I think. That's the nicest. There's a lot, man. Just just go wild. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of interesting stuff, you know, in, in the jazz community also. Um, uh, Philip Tabane, mm. you know, who's... Who are, you know, deep coming out of my melody near Pretoria and, and, and you know, a lot of a lot of progressive stuff and rooted in some 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 ancient rhythms too. And mm-hmm. it's a beautiful mix. All right. Great. It's been great talking with you. Um Thank you, Kniff and Yugen, for uh, taking the time out to uh, chat with me. Like, I, it was it was basically a nice history lesson about, you know, South African music and society. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of good things that you uh, got, um, talk to talk to me about. Thank you. <laughs> Tough introspective questions. Man. Yeah, they're really great, Kelly. So, so before we get out of here, where can people go online to get more information about your music or whatever you're doing these days? Uh, we're on all these social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, Bandcamp, you know, Yugen Black Rock. You'll find our stuff on Spotify, I think first and second album, and um, features, remixes, all of this stuff. Um, whatever social network they're on, just look for us there. I'm trying to reach you, so <laughs> yeah. just line and type it in. All right, that was my interview with Yugen Black Rock along with Kniff. It was great talking with them. Got a lot of history in regards to South Africa. A lot of great knowledge about what's going on in South Africa right now and how the music influences. 
you know, links, videos, and audio for Yugen Blackrock and how to purchase her album are in the show notes for this episode at freshisthepodcast.com. All right, another interview in the bag. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.